the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. I am Seth Leibson. It is Wednesday, June 22nd. As we head into our second hour, we do so every Wednesday uh, with the privilege of having Representative David Schweikert, who represents Arizona's 6th Congressional District, join us. Tell us what's going on in Washington, how we should think about it. David, welcome back. How are you, sir? Do we have David? Nope. You have me, sir. You fake. You faded away, and I'm a little. I'm in a little room off the side of the Capitol. We just finished um, a vote series, uh, four votes, uh, and so I snuck out and I called you. So the timing worked out. I, you know the rule here: three things that can distract from an interview on this show: a member casting a vote, a barking dog, or a child. And with you, we have two. Yes, and we, we've done all. Of them. Have we done the dog? I don't know that we did the dog. I think we're at two out of three. I think we're at sixty-six percent here, if my math is right. Yeah. Well, I have a dog-friendly office. So, oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, I, all right. Yeah, bring bring a dog in next time. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that dog-friendly office? I was once going to write a book. I had a great book idea. D- Dana Perino and I once con- had this idea years ago. Uh, a, a coffee table book. Um, if you want a friend in Washington, is what it was titled. Dot dot dot. And it would be famous people in D.C. Uh, with their dogs. And by famous people, you know, people you knew, like the doorman at the Hay Adams and stuff like that. Wouldn't that have been fun? Um, it would be. And um, there's actually a truth to this because you know D.C. is vicious, and people have no concept how just sort of duplicitous it is. Yeah. I mean. You know, if you're a Republican and you want toilet paper for your office, you're going to wait a couple of weeks. Is that right? Are you? Is it that? Is it that bad, David? Really? It, Honest it to God, really it's Venezuela that, tactics there. It, really? Yeah, it's gotten that weird. Um, you know, and you actually see it in just things you would never, ever, ever imagine. No kidding. And it's not just Republicans and Democrats. It's um, the lobbyist class that want you want money, and so they won't go near conservatives. Um, it's companies that have a bunch of woke people that have gotten on their PAC board. So, um, I, I, like, there's a company, it has a huge presence in Arizona, and their poor lobbyists desperately need something fixed in the tax code. And it's a legitimate problem. It, it, it's, a, it, 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 it's a problem with the way Europe does the tax and the way we then tax the, you know, the proceeds uh, when they repatriate it. And, but she's always apologizing, saying, but our passport has gone so woke yeah. that someone like you, Schweiker, we can't, we will, we will never give you a contribution because you're too conservative. I get that. I and, mean, I, and, I and get that just, that's happening. Yeah, I've heard. That's I've heard fine. Of your... I mean, you're going to do your job as you're supposed right. to do it. But if anyone out there thinks Republicans are hand in hand with big business, it isn't true anymore. It hasn't been true in several years. Big business owns Democrats and Democrats own big business. Um, the Republicans are now the party of the working middle class. You know, you said something, David, yes, agreed all the way around. I have seen this. And you said something that I hadn't thought of much in this context. I saw this with some law firms, big law firms, that were pressured by partners, which were obviously feeling pressure from their, you know, big ticket clients, that they didn't want 
their attorneys working on Republican campaigns or for Republican candidates. Now, in something you said, it sounds like there, there there's a lot of lobby firms, and which are the big employers in D.C., that just won't let their people work because of their clients' demands with Republicans. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the firms. It's their clients. The clients um, who are pushing the firms. And, okay, for everyone listening, um, try to picture this. Several years ago, the National Association of Realtors, which used to be the stalwart um, protecting you know, property rights, and they were fairly conservative, they were functionally taken over by Democrats. Uh-huh. But the Democrats did it in a systematic fashion. They found liberals who were realtors and got them to run for office, got them on the PAC board. They worked their way up. Well, they've been, the Democrats have been doing this in a number of corporate PACs. So you work for a big chip you know, semiconductor chip manufacturer, this and that. You you get you you're a Democrat. You are recruited. Think, make a contribution to the PAC. The next year, run for the PAC board, and eventually, we will own the PAC board. So all these corporate executives' yeah. money, even though most of them may be conservative, the majority of it goes to liberals. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you see that. I mean, I think Intel, like seventy percent of their PAC money goes to Democrats. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, you see it with you see it with the unions, obviously. Once again, obviously, yeah. Democrats outworked us. Yeah, because they thought ahead into the future. Wow, they they, they really understood how to march through those institutions in a way that yeah. we were just not paying attention to. They really understood. So I it. have I had a sense that no one listening really cared about this. Um, with all the craziness. Going I'll tell here. you why I think they do. And I think I'll tell you why I think they should is because we are at every level of government now finding that this is becoming fast a two a two tiered society there's a hierarchy of uh, privileges benefits and criminal law enforcement that will change oh, yeah. determined by what political party you are well, lady right, justice being one, blind is blind to the fact can that I give you yeah. one it's excessively personal sure. and forgive me if i don't do this completely properly okay um okay you know i got beaten up a couple years ago with some of the things that happened with my chief of staff and those yes, yes. things. Sure. Well, one of the things I got beaten up on is a few hundred dollars from my campaign went to pay for a babysitter. Okay. Shouldn't have happened. You know, um, it was done by an employee, but it came out of my account. Okay. Except you have someone like Eric Stallwell <laughs> out of California, <laughs> who I think has something like sixteen or $26,000 yeah. in account right. that has gone to babysitter. Right. And it's an example of if you're conservative, you will get beaten up by the system. Right. If you happen to be a senior Democrat and you do 40 times more money, mm-hmm. never been a complaint, nothing's ever touched. And it's this two-tier sort of prosecution system. And, and you see it almost every day here in D.C. You can see it almost in every day and um, every the talk. Number Absolutely. Of Republican members yeah. who are either under investigation from the January 6th committee yeah. or outside groups, our newspapers, or the ethics committee, or this and that, there really is every lever of, of and sometimes it's not even to um, uh, eventually convict you or beat you up, it's to burn up your cash. Well, of it, course. It's understood. Of course. It, it, yeah. But this is very inside baseball. 
but um, it, ha- it has outside the stadium effects, though. I mean, oh, Ch- yeah. Chuck Schumer can can threaten uh, Supreme Court justices by name with violence, and nothing happens. Donald Trump can say "March peacefully, peacefully and patriotically," and he gets impeached. I mean, that's the way this works. That's that that's that's the way. It oh, works. you're back. Yeah. Sorry. No, that, I lost I, you there for that's all right. That's second. the way it works. Chuck Schumer can threaten violence by uh, of Supreme Court justices individually by name. Donald Trump can say march peacefully and patriotically and he gets impeached. Yeah. He's the one who gets impeached. Yeah. But but think about I mean, you know, like the committee I am on. Yeah. We've been trying to figure out who's been releasing um, portions of Donald Trump's and other yeah. people's tax returns. Oh, OK. And, right. and and it's another example of. We could get no help from the Justice Department of Democrats, even though it's a federal crime. Sure. Because they beat up the right people. Right. Now, if it was a bunch of liberals who had had their tax returns leaked, then all of a sudden, you know, um, all heaven and earth would be moved to find out. Same thing that just happened in the Supreme Court. Yep. With the leaking of you th- the... Yeah, yeah. If, that, if that was a leak in the other direction, we I would... As yeah. <laughs> we as conservatives yeah. need to toughen up yeah. and understand we're going to get our heads kicked in. Um, and that is the price of, you know, being a conservative in Washington, D.C. But it is changeable, David, in my romantic view of things. I've been talking a little bit about this. It's changeable with political power. I mean, this is a political problem, isn't it? Yeah, I'm more cynical than you are. Okay. Because it's more than just controlling the White House, the Senate, the the House. We're going to have to change the bureaucracy. Of course. Remember, one of the great, brilliant evils the Obama administration did is they spent day and night filling every position through government yep. they could possibly fill. So Donald Trump gets elected, and a conversation I've had with Mick Mulvaney and others in the administration said all these slots were filled by liberal Obama appointees, yep. and they had successfully moved them into covered positions. Yep. So you had tens of thousands of hard lefties up and down the government bureaucracy, and they couldn't be fired without a major change in the restructuring of government. You bet. You bet. And they do this up and down and across the boards, because when you say change the bureaucracy, we also have to talk about education, elementary, secondary, and higher. Everything. We have to talk about the media. But again, I do think it starts with political power. We can control. All right. I want to talk to you. Do you have time for one more segment? Sure, let's do it. Yeah, because I want to talk to you about the uh, gun debate that's taking place uh, over in your neck of the woods, if we don't, uh, if you don't mind. I'm Seth Leaps, and he's David Schweikert. We'll be right back. This is his favorite music, by the way. He loves Elvis Presley. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Delighted to have Representative David Schweikert with us as we do every Wednesday, representing Arizona's 6th Congressional District. Uh, David, uh, thank you for what you're talking about with what I call uh, opinion and principle hierarchy on our previous segment. We'll talk more about that in dates to come. But the gun legislation that is flying around Capitol Hill, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, is I think the official title, <laughs> cleared the Senate for forward movement. What, what What's your sense of things over there on that? Um, it's over in the Senate. And I will warn you, um, our telephone line keeps dropping in and out. Okay. So if all of a sudden I disappear on you, it's not that I hung up. Um, okay, my understanding is moved to the Senate. We have not gotten it delivered over to the House. But it will be on the House floors, my best guess, this coming Friday. Um, we're already dicing apart the red flag 
section. Good. Um, which I think actually may be unconstitutional I the way too. it's drafted. I think it might be too. Go ahead. No, um, it's it, it, because you have a constitutional right, and yet they're designing a red flag rule that doesn't have sort of um, a due process. That's right. The, the due process right, is lacking. It needs to ha- right exactly. There has to be a strict scrutiny that looks at this because it is de- dealing with an individual right. Uh, now, I, now we just finished working on some mental health resources. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things you and I have been going back and forth talking about yep. how many of the horrible events, particularly this this last year, yep. are being tied to young men who are suicidal uh-huh. and, and, and seeing some really interesting academic research there. But a lot of the debate here in D.C. has nothing to do with dealing with firearm violence. It has to do with the coming election and what motivates one side's face, the darkness, the sickness out here is how many of my Democrat colleagues will have fundraising emails, text messages, yeah. all geared up yeah. when there's a horrible event yeah. within an hour or two, they're asking for money. I know. So I know. so how do you move away from the sort of sense of, of political exploitation to what would be actual solution? What would actually work? And so far, much of what's being proposed here has nothing to do with the real solution. That's right. I was using a legal phrase earlier, redressability in equity court. You have to ask, is the measure you are seeking going to touch, address, fix the problem you're going after? Talk to me about that academic. Talk to the audience. I know some of this research. Talk to the audience about some of what you were seeing. I think it's fascinating because I do hope once and if we get a majority, we can have hearings on this stuff and make it more of a national discussion. But talk about this research you were mentioning to me about young men and suicide. um, Look, why are, why are we having so many brutal shootings in Chicago or other urban areas or um, the young men who have, you know, and, and you start to look at their family structures, their mental health issues, um, what's going on with them and around them. And it A, gives you a sense of some things we need to do in society, but it also gives you a sense of maybe um, being able to, to redress this to stop some of this violence isn't the shiny object of I don't like firearms or I'm going to get rid of assault weapons, even though we had 10 years of an assault weapon ban and there was no difference, statistically no difference in the 10 years we had it and the 10 years after we didn't have it. Right. But it was theater. It, it, it's good. The difference is uh, I, I talk about politics to virtue signal. Right. We do a lot of good politics, I can raise money, I can do this, and it's virtue signaling, or if we actually want to get to the core of what's going on, why the violence, why these bad acts. Um, and the Democrats, my brothers and sisters on the left, and, and uh, are very uncomfortable wanting to actually bring in the true experts and dig in what's going on in, you know, particularly urban America and also with young males around the country. It is increasingly uh, obvious and apparent that this is a young male issue. Uh, you talk to any expert, they'll say there are women, but it's mostly young males. And yeah. and and I think the the I was going to use the word reticence, but it's not reticence. It's a, it's a near blackout in allowing the conversation to take place, David. I think it's I think working thesis is that the reason they want to black out these conversations is because it drives into places that touch on their most precious desiderata. We're talking about 
uh, illegal drug use, which means we're talking about the border, and of course we're talking about other kinds of concerns that go with well, that. We're talking about look, fatherhood, um, I, I which is family formation. Go over my skis. Okay. But, you know, you see the statistics of those who've been involved in these acts of violence, and there's no male figure. At That's all. right. We're talking about you know, fatherhood issues. You bet. Um, and, you know, I, I'm one of the Republicans who's actually willing to have honest conversations about gun violence. Yep. But it's got to be an honest conversation. Yep. And when I start to lay out the parameters saying, if we, if we go with a clean whiteboard and we start with what facts do we know and then what do we have to actually gain in information? And you'd be amazed how quickly my Democrat colleagues say, no, that's not the conversation I want to have. That's right. That's um, right. Because it's a difficult one thing, um, the breakdown of society. And you and I have already had on the air the conversation of what's happening even at the university mm-hmm. level. How many males are dropping mm-hmm. out compared to how many fields mm-hmm. females are graduating. Mm-hmm. Um, something I worry about demographically is the number of what they call marriageable males. When mm-hmm. you get the disconnect of, I have all these females with bachelor's and master's degrees and my number of males. It, it, it has fallen dramatically. Um, we said about thirty years. Still- about thirty years ago, we said "you go, girl," and they did. We told boys they were being they were toxic, and 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 there has been a campaign. I almost want to create a bumper sticker that says "Save the males." That's that's well, you know it, it, we, it we, we do have a boy problem in this country. But 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 the more elegant solution I say is is. Um, Treat people with love and respect, but stop treating them differently. Yeah, sure. You know, whether it be your gender or anything else. And instead, we have a society where the Democrats gain power by balkanization, keeping us apart. So you're from the South, you're from the North, you're the wrong color, you're a different color, Mm -hmm. you're, you know, a male, female. And it turns out that segmentation is how I can, how you manipulate people politically and separate them. Um, you know, it's, it's a much more complex conversation. But coming back to the gun legislation, yeah. um, it, my, it, from what I've seen so far, and I've only read, I've, we're only, I'm only reading right now the red flag portion because that's all I have. I'll get the rest of it tonight. Um, it's much more theater and it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing some top line numbers that a lot of this is about handing out very large grants. Mm-hmm. Um, to lots of states and municipalities. Mm-hmm. And so it's also another backdoor way of funding uh, folks who want to go after your Second Amendment. Not only that, I worry about, uh, you know, so, you know, we can talk mental health. You and I are, 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 are pretty strong on this issue, I think it's fair to say. But about where they spend that money that goes to these men- some of these mental health organizations. Well, you talk about being taken over by the yeah. woke. Some of that is more woke than you could ever imagine. I, I, I'm seeing something that's a little darker. Yeah. Um, you know, where it's not constrained. So you may see a city doing types of enforcement that really start to crush um, people's Second Amendment. Oh, so. yeah. All right. I'm glad you're there, David. Uh, there's an old saying, don't just uh, do something, stand there. Sometimes that's right, isn't it? Yes. And be <laughs> willing to be run over. <laughs> I'll, I'll pick you up when they do, David. David Schweikert, bless you, sir. Godspeed. Thanks. We'll talk Stay next sure. week. Bye I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It is a delight to welcome back to the show Rachel Mitchell. She is our county attorney, Maricopa County attorney. She is uh, running for election again in November. Rachel Mitchell for Maricopa.com is the website. Rachel Mitchell for Arizona.com. Rachel, thanks for joining us again. Happy Wednesday to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You betcha. A ton I want to talk about. I got to tell the audience just something. (laughs) I knew I liked you when when it came to my understanding that we have a disagreement on Aristotle. We won't do that right now, but I just want to plant (laughs) I want to. I I knew I found my person. Now we can can really get down to it. We have a county attorney that wants to debate Aristotle with me. I love it. I can't wait. We'll do that after our... uh, Graver business is taken care of over the next few weeks. Fair enough? Fair enough. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I love this. This is great. But on the stuff that is taking place, I understand you had a a meeting with Phoenix police uh, or law enforcement uh, uh, today talking about gun violence. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you guys are doing with regard to gun violence. Um, Yes. In fact, this has been the product of, of several meetings, and I don't have to tell you or the uh, listening audience how much gun violence there has been uh, in recent days. And it's just a situation where a number of partners from ATF to the U.S. Attorney, uh, City Council, Phoenix PD, County Attorney, um, are coming together and saying enough is enough. Uh, we're going to start focusing on gun crime uh, for a pilot project, and we're going to be working together, which uh, Jerry Williams described very aptly this morning as a force multiplier, and I think that's a, a fair statement on her part. Talk to the audience a little bit about it, that uh, that part of the audience that wants to ensure that when we go after gun violence, we are preserving civil liberty and Second Amendment rights. Make it, uh, Address that point, if you don't mind, too. Absolutely. Um, and we made it very clear during the press conference this morning, this is not about infringing on anybody's Second Amendment rights. As you know, Seth, I am a big supporter of Second Amendment rights. Mm -hmm. This is about what we can all agree on, which is criminals who should not be in possession of guns um, and people who are using guns to commit crimes. Mm -hmm. And it is exclusively that. Fantastic. Thank you. You know, one of the things that I have um, I, I have worried about and I know you worry about as a prosecutor and someone uh, responsible for uh, for for Maricopa County, uh, Rachel, is the growing problem of uh, homelessness and the growing uh, violence that attends that. I had a terribly uh, enlightening visit. Terribly enlightening is the right way to put it to what's called Tent City over on 9th and Jefferson, 9th Avenue and Jefferson. One of the things people I don't think appreciate in these discussions is not just the crime that may come out of there, which is its own terrible problem we can talk about, but the crime the homeless are going through with each other. You know, this the, the, the combination of mental illness and substance use, um, you know, the, the, the sexual abuse, the battery that takes place between and among the homeless, that's, that's a huge problem too, isn't it, Rachel? It is. I mean, as a, as a career prosecutor, I've seen um, a number of disturbing cases over the years where the homeless were victims of crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes uh, everything from murder, uh, I mean, just senseless, gratuitous murder to sexual assault. And, uh, you know, now we're seeing uh, signs that they are being extorted uh, for safety purposes, yeah. and it's just, 
incredible. Um, the the they are preying on. Well, what is society's a very vulnerable citizen? Yeah, yeah, and 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 a lot of this too. Uh, I don't know if you have time for another segment because uh, uh, this is a short one. Do you have time if I hit a commercial break to come back for another segment? Yeah. Okay, good. Because one of the Absolutely. things I thanks I, I do want to address the issue that uh, I don't I don't know why more people aren't addressing it. It seems like it's 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 the elephant in the room. And that is the problem of uh, illegal drug use and, of course, so much of that coming through the border. Let me take a quick commercial break, if you don't mind, Rachel, and come back and get okay. your uh, your views on the problems, crime and the problems of illegal drug use, which is, uh, at least certainly in the trafficking sense, its own crime. As I go to break, let me put in a word for my friends at Y Refi, and they are my friends. Spend a bunch of time with them. If you're interested in a great investment opportunity. They're offering a fixed, no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a collateralized and secure portfolio. YRefi is a due diligence approved firm doing their best to help people do their best to dig out of debt and doing a great job at it. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y and R-E-F-Y.com, investyrefi.com. I'm Seth Liebson. She is Rachel Mitchell. Website, Rachel Mitchell for Maricopa.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a delight to have our county attorney, our Maricopa County attorney on, Rachel Mitchell. She's running again in November, Rachel Mitchell for Maricopa.com or .org. Either way, Rachel Mitchell for Maricopa.com or .org. Rachel, I am um, I am uh, somewhat obsessed with the problem of uh, illegal drug use and trafficking in, uh, in our state and our country, the rising death toll, which is an incredible number to try and wrap our heads and arms and thoughts and hearts around when we think of 107,000 souls dying to this uh, this past year. Talk to me about uh, dr- what we can do about the drug issue from your perspective and the relationship between drugs and crime. Well, we absolutely know that, um, you know, fentanyl is the drug of choice for a lot of people, uh, and we know that it's coming in over the border. So, you know, if the border is not secured, uh, we're going to see more and more drugs come across that border. And in terms of it being related to crime, it's related to everything from what we're seeing with the thefts of catalytic converters, which are done by people to support their habit, up to violent crime, including murder. So it is it is absolutely uh, a critical part of what we're seeing happen as as well as the homelessness that we previously discussed. One one of the things is that these things are fixable. I mean, you never get to 100%. I don't know any social or public policy issue you can get to 100% or zero, whichever direction you're trying to hit. But you can uh-huh. make big differences. When this country was serious about this problem in the uh, early 90s, we reduced use 50, 50%. People don't realize that this is not something we have to throw our hands up and say, well, our future is San Francisco, our future is Los Angeles, our future is Seattle. Not on your watch, right, Rachel? Absolutely. Uh, we don't have to throw our hands up. Um, you know, obviously, uh, the border situation is, is more of a, a federal issue. It's also something that I know that can be addressed at a, at a state level. But as far as here, one of the things that we're doing is we are looking at people's bond amounts because what we've been seeing in my drug unit is people who are getting out 
and committing more crimes uh, while they're pending trial. Right. And, it, and if they stay around, some of them go back over the border so that they can't be held accountable. And so we have taken a very active uh, approach to making sure these people do show up and are held accountable. Uh, and we're not talking about people who have addictions. We're talking about people who are selling drugs. Right, right. right. And those, those amounts of drugs that people are, are having and selling have increased um, because we used to see high-level dealers with maybe a 1,000 pills. You see a thousand pills now. It's a mid-level yep, dealer. Yep, that's uh, right. That's yeah. Well, that's right. And I think we discussed once before. I think we did, but if not, it's worth restating because it's it's one of these myths that seem to never die. For people that say, "Well, our prisons are crowded and filled with innocent drug users," that's just not the case. That's not who we arrest. We are not arresting drug users. We are and 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 in Maricopa County, throughout the state of Arizona, really, you don't even have to go to jail on your first or second offense of such, right? You're not even able to go. Uh, the go. law doesn't allow that. So what we're talking about are people who are actually drug sellers right. and transporters. And they are creating a level of havoc that people don't seem to understand. And that is an issue I do want to uh, restate to those that think that this is a victimless crime when they buy drugs. They are supporting cartel work. They are supporting and contributing to the ongoing and continually increasing death of American citizens. Yeah, this is not a, a simple thing where you have individuals who are addicted to drugs, and so it doesn't affect anybody else. It affects everybody you bet. else. You bet. Uh, it affects everybody else when, when you have businesses. And, and as I've been out on the campaign trail, I've talked to so many business owners and how it's affecting retail theft, even to the point where some retail stores are having problems hiring people because they don't want to encounter individuals who are coming into their businesses high on fentanyl and other drugs. Yep. And so when businesses are affected, community is affected. Yep. You betcha. By the way, on this issue of reforms that uh, some people like and some people don't, you mentioned bail and bond. There's the debate about cash bail. What, to explain that debate to the audience, would you, a little bit about uh, cash bail and ending cash bail? Well, a number of years ago, uh, there was an adoption of a rule that basically said you have to take into account, this is in Arizona, a person's ability to pay. And, and a lot of people have interpreted that to mean you have to set bail low enough for people to get out. Mm -hmm. And previously, what we were looking at were things like likelihood of showing up and danger to the community. And so, you know, it's done with, you know, statements like, well, we don't want to punish poverty. But it's not if you're if you're looking at the crime itself, you're not focused on their socioeconomic status. You're looking at their crime. You're looking at the chances of them showing back up. You're looking at the danger to the community. That is a more objective standard. Perfect. Perfect. Um, one of the things that we have learned uh, in Arizona is that we are getting a lot of people moving here. How big is Maricopa County? Now? Is it the fastest growing county in the country? It's 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 pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Last, 
That sure was. So, so when we're looking at the where people are coming from, a lot of them are coming from communities that they have seen not wanting to get much more like they've been going. Los Angeles, a lot of Californians are coming here, in other words. And what a lot of people are concerned about is, you know, the people coming here aren't making the connection between the reasons they want to came here and the policies that drove them here. Uh, Mm -hmm. California, it's its own unique problem. When you look specifically at Los Angeles and Northern California, the San Francisco area, it's a problem of DAs, isn't it, Rachel? I mean, talk talk to us about the problem of district. You're a district. I mean, county attorney, district attorney. It's a problem of DAs, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, um, you look at cities uh, like San Francisco and um, Portland and Seattle, Chicago, L.A., those are not those situations there are not happening just because Joe Biden is president. Right. Right. Those are for two reasons. They're happening because you have a district attorney or, as we call them in Arizona, a county attorney who is not enforcing the law. And you have city councils who are not backing the police. Mm-hmm. And that is just proven to be a deadly combination, and it is destroying cities. Well, as I like to say, not on your watch, Rachel, not on your watch. Rachel Mitchell for Maricopa. Like yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I said I'd like to say that, too. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll say it as often as you want on this show. We'll have you on as often as you want, Rachel. The crime is uh, increasingly, uh, you know, people talk about the border, talk about election integrity issues. Crime is also right up there, and you're the tip okay. of our spear, and I'm so glad you're there, and I'm looking forward to doing everything I can to keep you there. So Rachel Mitchell from Maricopa.com or Rachel Mitchell from Maricopa. Either way, the point is, you can't go wrong with Rachel Mitchell. Rachel, thank you. We're going to do the Nico McKayan ethics next time, and we're going to debate that, okay? Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Rachel. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which brought to you by Cool Touch, air conditioning, heating, and plumbing. I love Cool Touch. I know Chris Funk and his team. It's the best team you're going to find. In the business, they uh, they do what they say, and they say what they'll do. I've been using them for years. So of my friends, they all say the same thing. Great company. You have air conditioning problems right now or plumbing problems? Give Cool Touch a call, 623-734-1932, 623-734-1932, or visit them online at cooltouchac.com. That's cooltouchac.com. Doug in Maricopa. Hello, Doug. Oh, God, it's good to talk to you. It's been a while, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm, I'm a little intimidated following Rachel. Um, we've gone from the highbrow down to the lowbrow. Oh, with come me, on. But I... <laughs> All men are created <laughs> equal around here, Doug. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <Well>. thank God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank God for me. Um, I was thinking here, I was going to call for a couple different reasons, but I, I, I really got excited and animated when you were talking with Rep, uh, Representative Swiker about uh, fathers in the roles of with males because i think um i've talked a couple times before and you remember the gentleman's name i i have forgotten it since forgotten it but i went to see a lecture at a conservative uh lecture back in seattle back in the 90s and there was a black police chief at that time and he was talking about uh, the real causes of the crime and he stated in he's prophetic i mean the guy is like a prophet Everything he said has come true, but he said at the time, you cannot fix a problem if you cannot accurately define the problem. Right. And that's when he talked about the small percentage of population commits over half the amount of violent crime. That's right. 
black males. That's right. And uh, but he said you got to hear the last statistics to put it into perspective. Uh, before the welfare state, black families were actually two to three percent more intact yep. than white. Yep. It's amazing, yep. a tight-knit group, tough group, spiritual group. Yep. And he said, after 40 years of welfare now, you have three-quarters of the uh, black babies are without fathers in the home. And here's the important kicker. And this is true then, and every bit is true now. If you take the black homes that have intact families with the father in the home, no higher rate of crimes than white. That's right. We were talking the, uh, about some research from uh, Brad Wilcox at the University of Virginia, Doug, and he has drilled down on this, and he found in his research that uh, a father present in the house is the greatest predictor of incarceration, even over race and family income. Fatherlessness is a better predictor of incarceration for young men than race or family income. I want to spend more time with you on this, Doug. Can I uh, ask you to call back tomorrow because I I got some guests coming up and I want to do my monologue at the top of the next hour. This was our short segment. It's good to hear from you. Let's uh, have you call in if you have time tomorrow. I'd, I'd like to dig into this deeper. You're right. This is a big driver of the problem. No one wants to talk about it. You don't get to the problem unless you're willing to talk about it and learn about it, which is why we were designed. I'm Seth Leibson. Don't go away. We will be with the courtesy of Jeremy right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.